Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. And good morning, Real Presence Live listeners. This is Nick Medelsky, the Listener Relationship Coordinator for Real Presence Radio here in southern Minnesota, broadcasting live once again from the wonderful St. James Coffee in Rochester. Beautiful place to be this morning. I've got my cup of coffee, and we're just about ready to go. A lot of great guests on this morning. Very excited about our first guest, um, and all of our guests, honestly. We're going to talk about uh, devotion of St. Odelia. We're going to talk about uh, art and uh, and how that interacts with our prayer life, homeschooling, as well as catechesis. And we do have an honor our fathers uh, to acknowledge later on in the program. But first, before we get rolling, we'll start as we should start all things in prayer. And if you've been listening over the past few days, you know we've been praying the Saint Monica Novita, a wonderful saint who prayed her son back into the, well... Yeah, back into <laughs> into the arms of Holy Mother Church, St. Augustine, uh, possibly one of the greatest uh, fathers of the Western uh, Christian tradition. So, uh, great saint uh, to pray to for those who may have uh, children, friends, family, who are no longer in the church, or maybe uh, who've never been in the church, but we'd like to you know, get them into the church. So that's part of the reason we pray this novena leading up to her feast day. And of course, right next door to St. Monica's feast day is her greatest achievement, St. Augustine. So we'll begin. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Today we pray for those who are resisting your call due to pressures from friends and family members. May the Holy Spirit give them strength in their convictions, and may the Holy Spirit fill the hearts of their friends and family with love and support. And now we pray the daily novena prayers. Exemplary mother of the great Augustine, you preservingly pursued your wayward son, not with wild threats, but with prayerful cries to heaven. Intercede for all mothers in our day, so that they may learn to draw their children to God. Teach us to remain close to all God's children, even the prodigal sons and daughters who have sadly gone astray. Dear St. Monica, troubled wife and mother, many sorrows pierced your heart during your lifetime, yet you never despaired or lost faith. With confidence, persistence, and profound faith, you prayed daily for the conversion of your beloved husband, Patricius, and your beloved son. Grant me that same fortitude, patience, and trust in the Lord. Intercede for me, dear St. Monica, that God may favorably hear my plea for those for whom I am praying. Grant me the grace to accept his will in all things, through Jesus Christ our Lord, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Now we say the Hail Mary three times, and the glory be three times. So Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. 
Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. St. Monica, pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Again, a wonderful novena to join in for those who may have left the faith, uh, lapsed in their devotion, or maybe just struggling with the faith in some way uh, that we can help bring them back uh, into the fullness of the life of the church. As I mentioned, a lot of wonderful guests this morning. Uh, the first one I'm particularly excited about because my wife, uh, children, and I recently visited the Shrine of St. Odelia, the National Shrine of St. Odelia in Onamia, Minnesota, which is just kind of on the south end of, I'm going to say it wrong, <laughs> uh, Mule Locks, uh, the, uh, the big lake uh, there in central Minnesota, the, in northern Minnesota, that a lot of people go visit. And joining me on the phone this morning is the filial, filial prior in Onamia, Father Kermit Hall. Good morning, Father. Good morning to you and to everyone. Nice to be with you. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you for uh, coming on this morning. Um, we we have a lot to talk about. You know, the, the Crozier Fathers and Brothers run the shrine, so a lot of people aren't familiar with them. I know I wasn't uh, until I visited. And, of course, St. Odelia is a name that not a lot of people might be familiar with. Uh, but before we jump into all that, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, I'm from the Twin Cities. I grew up in Richfield, which is the first suburb south of Minneapolis, uh, in a large family of 11 children. And my father was a school teacher. My mother was a nurse, although she started having children as soon as she graduated from nursing school. So she never worked as a nurse. She worked as our mother all her life. And so uh, there are uh, six boys, five girls. I'm number 10 of 11. Wow. And yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, we, we had a very, very fine childhood, very good parents. Um, and... Uh, yeah, and as I became a priest because uh, three of my brothers had come to the Crozier Seminary High School Junior College in Onamia before me, and since I was the youngest son, I wanted to follow in their footsteps, and they all married, and hmm. I became the Crozier priest. Ah, Wonderful. So uh, we mentioned that name, the, the Crozier uh, Fathers and Brothers, the Crozier Order. Uh, could you tell us about that order? Because it's actually a, a very ancient order, you know, dating back to around the same time as the Franciscans and the Dominicans, right? Correct. Mm -hmm. Yes, right. So over 800 years old. So we were founded in 1210 in Belgium, one of the few orders founded in Belgium. And the tradition is that our founder, Blessed Theodore, was a crusader a uh, royal crusader who returned from the Crusades, and he and some of his companions saw that violence, uh, warfare, was not the way to spend their lives or to go toward God, and so they uh, felt called to start a religious community of Canons Regular, which is a group living together uh, predominantly to offer prayers to God and to serve out of their uh, monasteries. So they began that in 1210, and in 1248, the order 
received official permission uh, from Pope Urban IV uh, to be established as an order. And interestingly, soon thereafter, the Church said, we think we have enough orders, and so we won't let any other orders be founded, but of course we have congregations and societies founded in the decades and centuries later. Right. But right. we we made it in under the line of uh, being a, <laughs> an official order, and uh, so we started in Belgium, and then they quickly grew actually in the thirteenth, uh, fourteenth century into England and France and Germany, and um, and then uh, with the uh, Reformation and the French Revolution, we were sort of chased out of England and France, and uh, we remained in Holland and Belgium. And, yeah, over eight centuries. And at one point in the 1840s, we were down to four croziers left in the world. Because of the French Revolution, they had been prohibited from accepting any new members uh, until the 1840s when the uh, Prince of Holland uh, finally gave permission for them to accept members again. So from four back up to uh, 500, we'd probably now sit at somewhere around 400 croziers in the world. We are in Brazil and Europe, uh, and Africa, the Congo, Indonesia, and the United States. Wonderful, wonderful. And uh, so uh, that, uh, that, that was one of the amazing parts of the Crozier Father story to me, was how it almost became an extinct order, right? The government almost, you know, in France, almost choked it to death, right? Not allowing any Correct. new members. Correct. And yet you had those few uh, hanging on. And That's then right. uh, the Crozier Fathers is still with us today, and it's uh, it's 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 great because it's uh, it's a beautiful shrine up there in Onamia. How did the uh, the Crozier Fathers come to a place like Onamia? Well, uh, in the uh, early 20th century, so about 1910, the uh, land and lumber companies around Minnesota were looking for laborers. And so they were recruiting uh, immigrants from Europe to come help with uh, land settlement and lumbering. And so they went to Holland, and they got some Hollanders, some Dutch folks, to come over. Hmm. But the Dutch folks said, we will not uh, leave Holland to go to Minnesota unless we can have uh, pastoral uh, presence, priest journey with us. So oh, wow. they, went to the, they went to the Croziers, and they said, would you send chaplains with us to the New World? And uh, that's indeed what happened. The Croziers sent uh, four members, uh, three priests and a brother, with the uh, uh, migrants into Minnesota, and the rest is history. But uh, they originally settled in Butler, Minnesota, which is a few hours north of Onamia. But then Onamia was to be the large lumber town of central Minnesota with the, with the railroad, and so the Croziers established here. Well, within a few years, the lumber had all been milled, and uh, Onamia didn't get to be the booming town that they were projecting, but we remained. Yeah, and it's it's really a beautiful location for a uh, shrine right there, and kind of a a very um, what do you want to call it? Uh, tourist destination for a lot of people in Minnesota and in other places in the Midwest, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. So we we sit three miles south of Lake Malax, which is the second largest lake in Minnesota and a great walleye lake now, a great bass lake. And so, yeah, there's, there's thousands of people that pass by on weekends uh, enjoying the, the beauty of nature and the lake and, and all in this area. Yeah, it's close into the Twin Cities, of course. A lot of people pass through and go on up to Ottertail County, but many of them stay around Lake Mille Lacs. Mm. 
And uh, the shrine there is dedicated to again one of the the other interesting thing that probably not a lot of not a lot of our listeners are familiar with, Saint Odelia, and she has a very unique uh, connection with the Crozier Fathers. Could That's you tell correct. us a little bit about yes. her? Yes. So Saint Odelia lived in the fourth century, uh, mm. and she was uh, presumably of royal heritage, and so she was a companion on a pilgrimage with Saint Ursula. Probably more mm. people would recognize the name Saint mm-hmm. Ursula than Saint Odelia. So they were pilgrims going from Britannia. They knew they couldn't make it to Jerusalem, so they decided instead to go to Rome to visit mm. the shrines in Rome on their pilgrimage. And when they got to what would now be present-day Cologne in Germany, they were uh, met by the Huns and were attacked and martyred for their faith on the way on their pilgrimage to Rome. And so that was the 4th century. In the 13th century, in 1287, St. Odelia appeared to one of our Crozier brothers in Paris, uh, Brother Jan, and appeared to him and said that she was to be the patroness of the Crozier order, and that he would find her relics under a pear tree in the Arnulf Garden. So Brother John went to his prior and said, this saint has appeared to me, we are to retrieve her relics. And of course the prior was skeptical. (laughs) And uh, it took a few times for St. Odelia to appear to Brother John and for Brother John to go to the prior before they indeed went to the Arnulf Garden. And under the pear tree where St. Odelia had told him, they discovered her relics. And uh, they put the relics into a reliquary, and immediately as they carried them uh, through the streets, there were cures in blindness. Mm. And so she became the patroness of the blind and patroness of the Crozier Order. Yeah. So there actually are, within the church canon, there's a few Odelias or very similar names. So ours is St. Odelia, the patroness of the blind. But that, that doesn't mean that people wouldn't find other variations. I think there's two or three other variations of different Odelia's uh, saints as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, uh, kind of kind of unique. There probably aren't many uh, religious orders that had a saint basically say, I want to be the patron of your order, right? <laughs> Correct. I'm not aware of a lot of them. They're, that's right. A lot of them have founders that, you know, are their patrons now. Right. Me. But, uh, yeah, for us, and for, particularly for a men's order, to have a female patron is very unusual. And, um, yeah, she's been with us since the uh, 13th century. Wonderful. Almost almost right since the start, right? Yes, right, yeah. Yeah. And, and are there... Um, are there any uh, Crozier fathers or brothers that have been canonized or beatified? No. 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 Our, okay. our founder, Blessed Theodore de Sells, is uh, blessed because the Church has the custom of anyone who founds a religious community generally is considered blessed, but no, he's not canonized. No. And I think, in fact, the, the Croziers have kind of a unique uh, custom around that where you commemorate all of the, uh, what is it, all the saints of all the... Order of Canons clerks, regular. Re- yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah so canons, we're, we're canons regular, which would be distinct from, let's say, monks or from mendicants. So canons regular were a very popular way of religious life for about 200 years uh, in the 13th, 14th century. They were founded, as our group was, by a group who came together to pray in common and to live in common, uh, and in that way to meet the Lord in common prayer, common life. 
and uh, uh, there are still some cannons regular left. Not a lot. They were they were quite the thing. Now they're fairly rare. Mm. Um, the Norbertines, who have a large abbey in, uh, I think it's Dupere, Wisconsin, they are also yep. cannons regular. Mm. Um, but there's not a lot of uh, groups of cannons regular. Most have dry- died out. We haven't, although we got down to four members. So <laughs> we, came, we came close. Well, I'm glad you're still with us. Um, And in fact, for our listeners, uh, please stick with us. We're going to head to a break right now. After the break, we'll talk more about uh, the shrine itself and why it's a wonderful uh, destination for people to go visit on Real Presence Live. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. If you have ever been through the hell of deep darkness and suffering, like the suicide of a loved one, do you know that your experience may be helpful to someone else? I'm Father Chris Alar. Mercy is defined as a particular mode of love that when love encounters suffering, it does something about it. And when you exercise the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, you are truly loving your neighbor. Jesus said, when a soul approaches me with trust, I fill it with an abundance of graces that it cannot contain it within itself, but radiates them to other souls. Let us show you how to be that radiator and find healing for yourself in the process. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss not just suicide. I promise it will help. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, we want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA, or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our planned giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701 701- Two nine zero four five zero three. Let's get started. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. And welcome back on this beautiful, wonderful morning here in Rochester, Minnesota at St. James Coffee. Nick Medelsky this morning on the phone with Father uh, Kermit Hall, uh, the filial prior of the uh, Crozier Fathers in Onamia. And uh, they have a beautiful, wonderful shrine there of St. Odelia, who we also talked about a little bit before the break. And now I think uh, talk a little. We'll talk a little bit more about uh, the shrine itself. I'm not sure if I mentioned uh, my wife and I had a chance to visit over the Fourth of July weekend. It's a very popular. You know, it's right just 
I don't know, uh, five minutes, if that, off the highway when you're going up north. We were going up north to visit uh, my wife's aunt, who lives in Grand Rapids, um, Minnesota. So uh, it was a nice stop on our way back, and it's just uh, a unique shrine. And one of the things that really stood out to us uh, when we got there was the uh, stained glass windows. Uh, Father, could you talk a little bit about those windows and... and uh the shrine itself? Absolutely stunning on a, a beautiful sunny day. Um, and so they were they were formed, uh, they were they were painted by Robert Pinart uh, from Rambush Studios of uh, New York in 1955. Interestingly, it was a time when uh, Mr. Pinart was starting his work as an artist. Well, now all these years later, he's deceased now, but he mm. became an artist of great note. And so we got him early in his career. Yeah. Uh, and so we probably couldn't have afforded him late in his career. <laughs> but the windows are beautiful, and they tell the story through about uh, 20, maybe 25 panes, um, uh, eight-foot windows, the story of Odelia, the founding of the Croziers, the work of the Croziers, and the founding of the shrine. Kind of the story goes along in a storyboard across the windows. And uh, they are lovely. On a, on a cloudy day, they're not quite as impressive. But boy, on a sunny, sunny morning, um, they are just gorgeous. And I think the the windows do an excellent job of interweaving, you know, Saint Odelia with the history of the Crozier Fathers, and really taking it all the way up to the present day. Right. That's correct. That's correct. I, I'm every time I'm I'm more and more impressed by the confers who in the fifties would have written storyboards because it includes so much, you know, with a very little uh, space, and it leads you through the history, and then it, it deliberately leads you back to the shrine uh, of which you've been reading in the windows uh, to the place where the relics are kept. Yeah, I always love that in religious art when they're able to feature the, the, the church or the shrine that you're at um, yes. in some of the artwork, and I, yeah. I thought that was really cool. Uh, there's also another really um, amazing... I don't know if centerpiece is the is the right word to use, um, but under the altar, um, yes. on the main altar, there's something pretty amazing there. Could you could you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Sure. So under the main altar, um, which is really the our only altar in the church now, but there's the altar reliquary under our altar. In uh, 1292, in Belgium, some artist painted a reliquary with the depiction of the martyrdom and the story of St. Odelia, and that still exists in Belgium. It's a priceless uh, treasure, uh, so it can't be removed from Belgium because it's uh, overseen by the government, but we have a copy, a replica, that was painted by Sister Mary Charles Magot of the Benedictines in uh, mm. 2002, and so that sits under the altar, and there's a reliquary under the altar, and this is kind of following the European custom of uh, relics being under the altar as a reminder of, you know, as we're praying at Eucharist, praying at the altar, that our faith is life and death and all in the Lord. And so it's, it's a very beautiful piece. It's lit, and it, it has kind of the ancient depiction, whereas the windows would be more a contemporary depiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, painted. The whole thing is, is covered in, in paintings, yep. uh, painting the, the life of St. Odelia, um, I believe, uh, St. John Paul II, maybe his uh, papal crest is on the back. Um, it's just beautiful. And uh, the, the nice thing is, at least when we were there, they don't mind if you walk around it, right? You right, absolutely. Yeah, we, um, we invite you to do so, yep. 
because it's it's beautifully painted on all sides and it's it's really fascinating because these are the sorts of things you see like you mentioned you know the original is from the 13th century these are usually the only the sorts of things that you'd see um in an art museum or an art textbook right or a history textbook and here you can actually see a really beautifully done replica of it up close it was really cool uh I've I seen sh- the original in, in Belgium, and let's, you know, after 600 years of wear, the original doesn't look as nice as ours. <laughs> <laughs> and Sister Mary Charles just did a fantastic job. It's just beautiful. Beautiful piece. Yeah. yeah. And um, so there's the, that's that's kind of the main body of the church is the, the stained glass windows and that, that beautiful reliquary at the front. And then kind of in the back uh, corner in the, uh, what would you call that, the narthex, right, yeah. Yeah. is kind of the... I don't know if that would be the the like the shrine of Saint Odelia there, uh, where you have the relics on either side. Um, yeah. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Sure, sure. We we talk about the whole church being the shrine of National Shrine of Saint Odelia, but yeah, in the in the vestibule almost is the, uh, the we have a icon of Saint Odelia that was painted by Sister Kathleen Holmberg, a, a, a saint sister of Saint Joseph. Um, and that was uh, something like 2005 or six, I think, that she painted. It's beautiful. And uh, on either side of this icon, which is about five feet tall and depicting the various elements of St. Odelia's uh, royal life and um, martyrdom, um, there are relics of St. Odelia under glass museum cases, uh, which we do use to bless people with. And uh, so you can see see those relics in their uh, in their small reliquaries as well. Yeah. And there was uh, another interesting uh, custom that was uh, mentioned to us when we were there, and we were able to uh, partake of it. But there's something called Saint Odelia water. Uh, could you explain a little bit about what that is? Yes. Yeah, so as a a form of devotion, for many many years, the Croziers have blessed water with the relics of Saint Odelia. So, and and then we we uh, allow people to take that from the shrine. I think it probably follows along the idea of Lourdes water, let's say, but St. Odelia water, which has been blessed and touched to the relic of St. Odelia. Many people use it devotionally to bless their eyes, bless their bodies for healing, and, uh, yeah, with that is available. And we have bottled water there. You don't have to bring your own bottle. Right? <laughs> yeah. That's 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 good. Uh, good side note there. Yeah. Um, so Saint Odelia, um, I think we mentioned earlier, is the patroness of those with uh, blindness or, or other eye issues. Um, are there? What's her? Uh, what's her feast day? Do is there anything special at the shrine for her feast day? Yes. So her feast day is uh, July eighteenth. And uh, typically, except for the last two years because of the pandemic, the Sunday preceding her feast day, this year it actually would have been Sunday, July 18th, we usually have a healing mass, during which time we uh, celebrate the sacrament of anointing for those who wish, and then we do blessings with the relic. Because of the pandemic, we couldn't have crowds, and so for two years we haven't done it. But we also have healing masses, one in uh, Advent and one in Lent, and then the National Feast Day, which is July 18th. It's the Sunday closest previous to the feast. So we do have a uh, healing mass scheduled for December 12th, uh, which is actually Our Lady of Guadalupe. We'll be doing a healing mass at the shrine. Again, we we anoint, and then we bless with the relic, and, and we offer Eucharist, of course. 
Wonderful. Uh, where could our listeners uh, find out more about uh, the shrine in St. Odelia and how they can stop by for a visit? So www.crozier.org, that's our home web page. Crozier is spelled C-R-O-S-I-E-R. And on there you'll see shrine about us and such, and um, it should have the information there. And you could also call us, uh, 320-532-3103, and uh, set up a tour. You can always come and visit. The shrine is open from 8 a.m. until 8 p.m., almost always. So you can come in and stop in at your leisure. There's a self-guided tour booklet, even if there's no crozier around, to look through the shrine. And we welcome people to do that. And even, as you say, to approach the altar, look at more specifically the reliquary there. So the, the shrine is open. We love to have people come and look. You can do it on your own pace and prayer. It's usually quiet and beautiful. If you want to have a crozier tour guide, you can let us know by calling ahead, and we will arrange for a crozier to give you a, a personal tour. So... We don't just wait at the door for people to arrive, but we are available. <laughs> right. Yeah, our priory is kind of on the back side of the uh, uh, real estate, so the church is on the front side. So if you call, we can set something up. But, but you can come and look through the tour book and make your own uh, stop if you so wish. Wonderful. And uh, in, in fact, um, one of the reasons uh, my, uh, my, my advice to people coming to visit the shrine is try and call ahead. Uh, because when we were there, we just kind of stumbled into uh, when uh, the Croziers were praying evening prayer and happened to pull one aside to uh, receive the blessing with the relic of St. Odelia. Uh, so I would definitely encourage that. Um, and that blessing can be given to anyone, right? Not just someone who's suffering from blindness? Correct, correct, yep. So we say she's the patroness of the blind and other ailments, yes. And, of course, there are many saints that intercede for people ailing. But I would say that our morning prayer is more formal. We're in our religious habits. Our evening prayer, we are more casual in our civilian clothes, just so people aren't shocked when they say, oh, <laughs> they look like regular people up there. Yes, well, right. at Vespers, that's how we dress, but in morning prayers, we're dressed up in our habits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So some people come for five minutes at the shrine. Some people spend an hour or two, depending what their particular need and devotion is. Yeah, and it's it's easy to spend an hour or more there. I think we did uh, just looking at all the beautiful stained glass and the reliquary. Uh, thank you so much, Father, for joining us this morning. Thank you. I appreciate it very much, Nick, and good day to everybody. And uh, after the break, we'll be speaking to an artist who uh, put together a wonderful book about how her art ties into her devotion. Uh, up next on Real Presence Live. Live, engaging. And local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network.